Before we begin today, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the Gadigal land and pay our respects to elders past and present. I'm Chantelle Alcouri. And I am Charles Rushforth. Coming up on the show today, we're talking about how young people have been failed in the suburb of Miller, New South Wales, and then discussing Friendly Geordie's beef with Triple J. But first, we know your news feeds have been flooded with talk about the vaccine rollout. You're probably a bit confused about when you're going to get the jab and which vaccine you'll be getting. But have you considered where people experiencing homelessness fit into the conversation? We want to hear from you. Text us in on 0409 945 945 or you can always tweet us at BackChatFBI. It is absolutely laughable. The woman's off her tree. BackChat, your alternative to talk back. Charles, I don't know about you, but I think we can agree that COVID, the COVID vaccine rollout hasn't been as smooth sailing as we'd like. It feels like every day there's a new medical advice on the safety or lack thereof of these long-awaited vaccines. But there's also very little discussion on how the homeless population will be included in the rollout. Absolutely. And to break down how people experiencing homelessness are accounted for at the moment in the vaccine rollout, we're joined by homelessness advocate Dave Jeffrey. Hey, Dave, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, good morning. Dave, what are the challenges at the moment in getting people who are experiencing homelessness to go and get their COVID vaccine? Um, well, firstly, the uh, biggest problem is the amount of information that uh, the uh, government is trying to put out there and how that's uh, actually reaching uh, people that are in um, the most dire homeless situations as, as far as rough sleeping. And um, in America, the homeless population have requested the Johnson & Johnson vaccine as it's only one dose, but we probably won't get that in Australia. What impact do you think not having the one-dose vaccine will have on the homeless people? Yeah, well, um, you're trying to stay in contact with health services to be able to um, firstly line up the first uh, uh, dose of the uh, vaccine and then to have the uh, follow-up dose. Um, Many people are living almost nomadic lifestyles, so um, keeping contact with services is quite difficult for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's very confusing trying to establish whether homeless people are considered a priority group for the vaccine at the moment in Australia. I know in the UK, rough sleepers have been considered the priority group. What are your thoughts on this? Is this this helpful in making sure um, homeless people get their vaccinations early? Yeah, yeah, well, already um, there's been a lot of um, uh, support being given to uh, actual rust sleepers in around the uh, main cities, uh, such as Sydney and, and Brisbane and Melbourne, but um, there's, been, there's been little um, you know, support being given to people in the uh, peripheral areas like um, uh, couch surfing um, and, you know, like, yeah, and uh, people in uh, boarding houses and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think they feel a little bit disenfranchised from the, um, from the uh, processes. Hey, you're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 with Chantelle and Charles. Hey, we're speaking to David Jeffrey, who's a homeless person's advocate on whether the COVID vaccine rollout accounts for our homeless population. Dave, can you briefly just share your lived experiences with homelessness in Sydney? Um, yeah, um, I became initially became homeless uh, in the uh, Sydney area, but um, 
the um, uh, the spa services uh, for support meant that um, I ended up by having to uh, live, a, live a little bit of a nomadic lifestyle myself and move around trying to get work to try and establish some type of housing for myself. So, um, yeah, so um, I was... You know, very much taken out of the uh, the, uh, the uh, homelessness uh, support services by uh, having to actually live that lifestyle. And what are some general challenges faced by people experiencing homelessness when it comes to accessing things like healthcare? Um, yeah, uh, and again, you know, like um, it's that basically having that contact that. Um, that constant contact with health services and being able to um, maintain a, um, a a good relationship with the uh, with the people providing the health services. Mm. When it comes to the government's response um, to the vaccination at the moment, what could the government be doing to ensure that as many people experiencing homelessness get their COVID vaccination? Um, yeah, well, they could certainly um, you know, form a register of um, you know, homeless people uh, and the varying degrees and to put in place plans and supports that they can you know, show those people that they're uh, supporting them all the way through the you know, like especially when it's uh, a, uh, a two-dose type of uh, regime that we're uh, looking at. And what kind of information is being given to homeless people right now about the vaccines? Um, not ve- not very much, actually. You know, like yeah, they're pretty, pr- pretty much considered as just general p- uh, parts of the uh, the uh, population. Thank you so much, Dave, for all your insight and for your time. Thank you. Yeah, no problems. That was homeless persons advocate Dave Jeffrey sharing his insight into how the COVID vaccine rollout impacts people experiencing homelessness. Don't go anywhere because up next we're talking Youth Week and what life is like for young people in in the southwest suburb of Miller. But first, this week was the 30th anniversary of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. We're going to play for you Northern Territory artist Jay Miller's 2020 song, Unlock the System, which was written after the tragic death of 19-year-old Kuman J.I. Walker. You're in FBI 94.5. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5, your go-to news source for local current affairs. This week is Youth Week, and we wanted to hear from young people in these areas to express their views and voice concerns about their community. We're joined by Amira, who is a Western Sydney filmmaker who grew up in the suburb of Miller. Um, hey, Amira, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. For listeners who might not have heard of Miller before, can you describe it for us and share what it was like growing up there? Um, yeah, sure. So I basically, I moved there when I was a kid um, and I've lived there for over a decade. And um, yeah, it was pretty tough growing up in that area. Um, it's pretty much underdeveloped in comparison to the rest of Liverpool. Um, in terms of infrastructure, yes, it's it's kind of like run down and looked over and, like, nothing has really changed in the last decade. Um, also, like, the stigma that people have grown up with um, being from that area has been pretty tough as well. But, I mean, like, there's, it's full of amazing, incredible people um, who are just brimming with potential. Yeah, well, you mentioned the issues of, you know, stigma and infrastructure in that community, but what are some of the issues that young people are facing right now in Miller? So, like, growing up, I know for me there wasn't a lot of... Um, community programs or any, like, community engagement to get, um, like, involved with people that live there. Um, Unfortunately, like, I would grow up with a lot of 
incredible people. Um, but then you'd end up seeing a lot of youth on the street and a lot of youth without resources or proper, um, you know, education and funding to make them really good members of society and make them, um, you know, available to the rest of the world. And it was really sad to see that. Um, the stigma as well behind that was that yeah, one of the things that I couldn't do was put 2168 on my resume because people would immediately assume that, oh, you're from Miller. You know, you must be a certain kind of person, but it's so not true at all. It's so not true. Mira, what do initiatives like um, this week's Youth Week programming mean for Miller um, and similar disadvantaged areas? Well, it basically means that we're not forgotten. Um, it means that people care about us and that we are able to talk to one another and connect with one another while doing things that we enjoy and we love, and it means that people can really have a better quality of life. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5. We're speaking to local Miller resident Amira about what her community needs during Youth Week. Amira, do you think there's a misalignment between the stigma of the area of Miller and its reality? I'm from Western Sydney as well, and I totally relate to what you said about putting your area code on your resume, but what do you think that misalignment is? Oh, well, I think, look, I think parts of stigma, I can understand to an extent if you're looking at it purely from the outside. I mean, if you drive through Miller at night, it's pretty scary. There are no lights. Um, and that's, like I said before, lack of infrastructure and lack of development in the area. Um, but the stigmatiz- like the stigmatization of people is very misaligned because we have a lot of amazing families here and um, lots of people with kids and Recently, the influx of refugees meant that it's become a very diverse community around Miller. Sydney has seen so many issues relating to housing recently, from public housing facing cuts um, in Sydney and rental properties always going up in price. What's the housing situation like in Miller? Yes, yeah, so there is a very like high concentration of social housing, um, and when it's not social housing, the houses are very like poorly made, poorly built, um, and not a lot has been. Um, changed or fixed for the people of social housing so the buildings are very old and very run down um and it's kind of just like i said before just looked over and um forgotten um so that's really sad because a lot of the time the people that are living there they're really so focused on surviving day to day than actually you know living and enjoying life amira as a filmmaker has um miller provided like a a palette for you to you know be inspired by um, your work and make stuff as well Oh, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Um, there's so much that I want to create um, that has been, you know, that has inspired me um, from my experiences growing up here. And not even just film as well, like music and other art forms that I want to practice. And I've been inspired by my community and the way that I've grown up here as well. There's a lot, um, there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot to explore with my experiences here. And lastly, what changes do you want to see in Miller? Um, definitely more youth programs and um, artistic programs, like some of the ones that exist at the moment, um, like Refill with Curious Works and Miller Tech High. PCYC is really good as well, um, but more social things for people to do and more things to get kids um, connected with each other, doing something great, and um, just things that really help us out and create more of a social environment so that we can all connect um, personally uh, through one another. Amira, thank you so much for your time and for speaking to us. No worries. Thank you for having me. That was Western Sydney filmmaker Amira on the suburb of Miller and what it needs for Youth Week. Stay tuned because up next we're going to be talking about Friendly Geordie's beef with Triple J and 
um, what news young people want and care about. But right now, we've got Tucker Perry with 20 featuring Savan. You're on FBI 94.5. 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, mess me. I need you like a you're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5. I did not realise that was going to come up at the end. Yeah, sneaky. Oh, there. That, that's a great way to end the song. Ah. <laughs> hey, um, earlier this week, Australian YouTuber and political commentator, The Friendly Geordies, uploaded a video where he strongly criticised Triple J's news show, Hack, um, basically over their coverage of... Um, an Australian uh, sex toy company, and particularly um, one of the hosts of Hack, um, Avani Diaz, um, the way she spoke and, yeah, her attitude to journalism. Yeah, it was really bizarre, but it got us talking about young Aussies and their relationship with the news because he kind of picked apart that, okay, you know, this is what young people are listening to um, as a form of criticism, he was saying that. But um, we wanted to know what you guys think. What kind of news do you care about? Charles, what about you? What do you want to hear? Yeah, well, I, I think that it's really important to consider how fragmented um, it is these days to, you know, get our news, where we get it from. Um, you know, it's a lot of people, you know, these days get their news from places like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Um, it's short form. Sometimes it's long form. Um, and a lot of those platforms don't have the codes and regulations that traditional, you know, old people media formats like radio and, um, yeah, print media have to obey. And sometimes that's for the better and sometimes it's for the worse, I think. Yeah, yeah. we want to know your thoughts. You can text us in on 0409 945 945. What news do you care about as a young person and how do you feel like the news speaks to you? Do you feel connected with it? Or, you know, for me personally, I think... Hack is where I go to when something big happens. Um, you know, I don't feel like other stations or, or news organisations are speaking to me when they are telling me the news. It feels like they know their target audience. It's going to be older audiences. And they don't make that effort to make a connection. Whereas Hack, when I listen to it, it's this is what's happening in the news and this is how it's going to affect you. Um, you know, their coverage of, you know, um, sexual assault in parliament and in private schools when that was happening the news was everywhere mm. and I immediately went to hack to be like what are they saying because you know it felt like they were young people talking about young people issues mm. instead of that disconnect that I often feel when I watch the news. Chantelle do you think the government has to do more to release news on different platforms to kind of catch up with how people consume news these days over yeah. different places? I think they're trying to do that they're getting into instagram and they're doing you know they're oh hey hey young people check this out <laughs> like this is what's happening in the news um and yeah i see that often with they're going on to instagram um they're kind of adopting that pedestrian mm. um be tutor advocate you mm. know like style in a way to kind of be like hey we're young and hip and we know what you guys like and we can be fun and you know i don't know i think they're realizing that it's not so much short form that young people care about. It's knowing that the person telling us this news is actually talking to us. Hundred mm, percent, and yeah, is made up of the age group, etc. Yeah, yeah. What about you? What do you think? Um, I, I, I'm, I, I know that it must just be such a challenge to do the. <laughs> it's definitely like a, a part of the government that's probably going. How do we talk to the kids? <laughs> what you know? Hello, fellow kids. How can we? <laughs> 
how can we make this as natural as possible? And I think it's always going to be a difficulty. I'm, I'm so proud of some of the reporting that has come from Hack. For example, um, the investigation they did together with Four Corners into the the way that Twitter um, reports instances of sexual assault and how that's been really um, inadequate. And that's led to some massive changes as well. So I think that, yeah, a lot of the criticism from the Friendly Geordie is about how that's not representing the needs of young people um, is unfair. Yeah. yeah that Tinder line. investigation was amazing. I think it showed us that, you know, that... <laughs> That people care about that stuff. I think people are like, oh, that's news for young people that nobody cares about. But it made so many changes and so many people were interested in that, even though it didn't affect them, because it's, you know, uh, an issue affecting a lot of people right now. Um, in terms of the Australian media landscape, how do you feel like you fit into that conversation? Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm pretty tricky because I, I love lots of stuff. Um, AM radio, um, <laughs> when I'm driving because I've got a crappy car that, you know, doesn't get all the bands, all the bandwidths. Um, YouTube, um, I, I, I guess I get it from everywhere and that's the complicated thing. I'm not particular, I don't think um, audiences and fans are as loyal as they once were to one thing or one particular channel. So it's it's sort of like whatever shiny thing is in front of me a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, that loyalty is definitely no longer there. I think we're branching out to find more news elsewhere. Well, we've actually got some texts in. We've got one from Beth in Mountjoy. She says, opinion YouTube is a guilty pleasure of mine, but don't be coming for stuff you barely have research on. I think that's in relation to that friendly Geordie's video. Got another one from Dean from Newtown who says, um, at least when you have criticism, you know you're being heard. Text in from Alana from Liverpool. I think youth news should be a light balance of funny shit and serious shit. <laughs> Charles, I agree with that. I feel like that's why we're drawn to things like pedestrian and B2D advocate. It's really um, delivering all the news that we care about. I think the criticism in that Friendly Geordie's videos was a story that they did about, what was it? It was Crystal... Yeah. Sex toys, I think. Yeah, it's very easy to... I think, well, you know, young people in particular are very sensitive to when people try and pander moral outrage over things. You know, there's so much stuff we could get upset about um, in a knee-jerk capacity if we wanted to. You know, NFTs. You know, what the hell is an NFT, you know? <laughs> I, I'm still struggling to understand the value of an art form where you can literally right-click and save ads, you know, to have it. People spending millions of dollars. Anyway, that's a separate thing. I'll yeah. get into that later. <laughs> we can get into that for another segment. Yeah. But, hey, let's um, play with the song now. This is a Genesis. Awuzu. Um, he had an amazing show last night um, that, yeah, from one of our back chat presenters, um, Tanita, was at as well. So sounds like it was excellent. Yeah. And if you've got any opinions on what's happening in the Australian media landscape right now, text us in on 0409 945 945. You're listening to Back Chat on FBI Radio. You are listening to Back Chat on FBI Radio 94.5 with Chantel and Charles. Um, we've been talking about the Friendly Geordie's beef with Triple J's hack. Um, we just got a text in from William and Young. As a journalist moving to the country to get my industry experience, I find it really concerning how vilified the ABC is out here. We need the ABC more than ever. Love hack. Never miss an episode and would love to see more news about refugees. Um, coming from Rajuri Land there, that text. Well, that's all we have time for on the show this week. Thank you for those texts in. A massive thank you to our producers, Vanessa Lim, Tanita Rezaghi, Millie Roberts and Sana Sheikh. 
As always, we've been back chat, your go-to rap for news and current affairs. You can always catch us at 9.30am on Saturday or online and via our podcast, which is on all the stores you can look at, <laughs> Spotify, Apple, etc, etc. And stay, stay tuned. tuned. Oh, yep. Stay tuned for the Kimbo too. We'll leave you with a track by Puki, South Sudanese-born and Melbourne-based MC. This is one of my favourites. It'll get you going for the Saturday. This is Tuesday featuring Busto. Mm-hmm.